a British TV podcast with Chrissy and Ryan. News, reviews, what's on TV this week, DVD releases, and special features all about British TV. Hello, 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 and welcome to show number nine of the British TV podcast. I'm Ryan in Seattle. Hi, I'm Chrissy in Seattle. And here it is December already. Wow. I know. Which is going to be a great month for British TV. We're very excited. There's going to be a lot of really good stuff on. How was your Thanksgiving? Non-event, my friend. <laughs> my cold, which had begun last week, um, a week ago today, was so bad by then. All I could eat was ice cream, as if I'd had my tonsils out. It was a really... Oh, man. It was the week that wasn't, so I just huddled down with my two pussy cats and watched a lot of television and shows I'd been meaning to catch up on, read some books, and headed back to work yesterday. What shows did you watch? Oh, I have to stay abreast of how I got news for you. I watched a bit of American TV, too, and a few films that I had meant to, to catch up on. Watched part one of the John Sargent documentary I was so excited about. and It, it, it was fine, but I don't think it was as good as what I've become used to with Paul Merton going to India and Stephen Fry traveling across the United States. It felt a little slow to me. This is one about tourists. Tourists and what Britain. they do when they go to visit Great Britain, right? And um, he had Americans who like to come and look at the gardens and some uh, Germans who like to go to the Isle of Man and race motorcycles and things like that. So that was interesting to learn that's what people like to do and it was things I hadn't necessarily seen before I just felt the pace was a little slow and it didn't have a, a zip that I was associating with the more recent travel shows that some of our friends over there have done hmm oh well too bad yo ho yo ho a pirate's life for me we extort we pilfer we filch and sack drink up me hearties yo ho marauding and dazzle and even hijack drink up me hearties yo ho yo ho yo I've discovered live video streaming from Britain. A friend of mine told me about this program last week, and I put it in my computer, and it was as advertised on the tin, you can watch live TV from England, which for me is like crack. <laughs> on the West Coast here, primetime in England comes out to be between noon and three o'clock, and fortunately I work at home, so I'm able to be around. And my only trouble was to try and decide what to watch, because you can't time shift anything. You have to watch it live or not at all. And often there's more than one thing on that I wanted to see. It's been fabulous. I have gotten to see stuff as it happens. Now, I should point out that this is shameless piracy. It is completely illegal to do this. But nevertheless, hard to resist for someone like me who wants to see British TV. And the quality's not bad. I would say it's about the same, depending on how fast your internet connection is, about as good as video was in the late 90s. Not bad. I was just amazed that it worked at all. I told a friend about it, and his first reaction was, hey, I wonder if they got one of those for Japan, because he loves watching Japanese television. Again, there would be a massive time difference for him, but he says, oh, I don't care. So that's something I've discovered, and I will probably be talking about more in the future, especially in how it affects with piracy. And oddly enough, on Thanksgiving, I had a friend come over, and he told me about a British show that I'd never heard of. He had been surfing around about zombies on the internet, and he heard about a show called Dead Set. Have you heard of this? It's ringing a bell, but I don't really think I know much about it. It ran a year it. ago on E4, and it's devised by Charlie Brooker. And okay. the premise is simple as heck. It is, what if zombies attack the Big Brother house? And apparently he got the cooperation of Big Brother. They actually used the sets, the behind-the-scenes things. Davina McCall's in it. She gets turned into a zombie. Kevin Eldon is one of the contestants. Oh, great. And, of course, the Big Brother contestants are all dumber than bricks. But there's a plucky PA who's got enough survival sense against the zombies. And it is like a proper zombie movie. It is bloody and gory and scary. My wife couldn't watch it. And yet it is kind of a parody of Big Brother. Oh, Cool. <laughs> Sounds great. I'm amazed I didn't I hadn't heard of this thing, but I I've watched half of it and it's just very clever. Uh, another another reason to love Charlie Brooker. Absolutely. We are gonna talk about Charlie Brooker probably some point in the future. Something you should check out on the internet is his series Screen Wipe. And he also does a column for The Guardian in Britain. 
So this week we have news, what's on British TV this week, what's running in the United States, DVD releases, listener feedback, and a feature on chat show host Graham Norton. Graham, great. Well, it was announced this week that British TV exports last year hit nearly 750 million pounds. There was a rise of 25% compared with... 633 million pounds in 2007. This year, they haven't compiled the results yet, but the trend looks to set to continue with ITV dramas Lewis and Midsummer Murders, BBC One Spooks, and Gordon Ramsay's Channel 4 series Kitchen Nightmares proving popular. Among interesting facts were that Top Gear is now seen in over 100 countries, Doctor Who has been sold to 93 countries, and dubbed into many languages as well. So good on you, British TV. Well, good. I'm sure they could use the cash. The dosh, make some more, put it back into the programming. Well, it's a it's one of their main exports, I think. That's that is serious money, and just goes to show that British TV is some of the best in the world. Which is why we're doing this podcast, Absolutely. of course. Absolutely, but this little island producing so much great television, and I'm shocked at how little of it we really get here compared with just the wealth of it that's produced there. Things like um, Supersizers which I've taken to work and loaned around. It was a documentary series that had two series, this and last year. And everyone at work goes crazy for it. And I don't think that's, I don't even know that it's been on BBC America. I think. It is not. It's about a comic and an art food critic, and they have to recreate a period in history, and they dress like it, and they eat like it right. for a week. And it's basically a food show. Right. And also they live in the respective roles they take on, usually husband and wife, but... Giles Corrin, the food critic who had worked previously with Gordon Ramsay on his show The F Word, doing little out-on-the-field reports. Um, he's very handsome, and he's very dashing. I like him a lot. But as the man, he tends to get to do a lot more interesting things than poor Sue, who generally plays his wife and is stuck for the week in whichever house they're in, supervising the cook or making the court after dinner cordials very painstakingly while he's out getting to hunt and well it was a man's millennium yeah. but uh, women are getting their chance here now so it's only about time you had a few queens along the way too you know right well into that four-way that's just one small thing that i thought was fabulous that i couldn't get enough of and nobody here had heard of it and I brought the DVDs in, and everyone at work who watched them just thought it was the greatest show and wanted to keep copies and loan it out. And Well, if you and I ruled the world, yeah. <laughs> we, would, we would have our own British TV channel, and it would be showing a lot, of, a lot more than uh, cash in the attic every day. No names. Most complained about TV shows in Britain. You know, if you don't like a TV show in the United States, your only recourse officially is to write a letter to the network, and they're most likely are just going to bin it. But in the UK, all TV is regulated by Ofcom, and complaints are taken seriously and compiled. The show with the most complaints this year was The X Factor, with 5,975 complaints. Way behind were Big Brother, with 1,154 complaints, Britain's Got Talent, Celebrity Big Brother, then Question Time, and then the first drama series is Coronation Street. It only had 336 complaints. Running out the top 10 were I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, the FA Cup Live fourth play, round replay. Shocking. Uh, Jenny Barnett and Boys and Girls Alone. The latter had only 183 complaints. But it's kind of, kind of cool that you actually, you can register an official complaint with, yep. with a government agency there and they, they take them seriously. Yep. And I believe they can find TV shows and networks as well. people. Right. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Here you have the FC I guess you have the FCC now, but I don't I doubt they even track things unless uh you get something like the Super Bowl incident. What's on TV this week? Wednesday on BBC One is the premiere of Big Top, starring Amanda Holden as the ring mistress owner of a terrible circus full of pathetic acts. And it also stars John Thompson and Tony Robinson. Oh great. They should get Elvis Costello on there. There was a film, an Irish film, about 20 years plus ago called No Surrender, and he, I, where a club had purposefully been booked with the worst acts that the promoter could find. And he also double-booked it with an old-age pensioner group of Protestants and another of Catholics because he was trying to run this club into the ground. But Elvis Costello was the worst magician in the world. And he was just wandering around sadly. And at one point he realized his pet rabbit had died. And so they should book him for that show. 
And and of course, it was a huge success when they put the worst acts in the world on, right? No. It oh, wasn't. it wasn't. Oh, so it was not like the producers. No, it all just sort What's of collapsed numbers? like a souffle, but it was the new club manager's first night and the previous one was being slowly tortured to death by the gang in the back room and he'd booked all these terrible acts and revenge but no surrender it's quite a it's good of a film it's a good irish movie wednesday following big top on bbc one is waterloo road and then spooks so you can spend the entire night on a single channel if you want or you can turn over to bbc two andrew mars the making of modern britain and channel four continues their docudrama the queen Watched it yesterday. It's this kind of really odd mix of historical footage and recreated scenes that are pure conjecture. I mean, you have a scene of Princess Anne and the Queen in a car by themselves. Who knows what they were really talking about then? And so I just kind of felt a little weird watching it. You know, it's trying to do the entire history of her. They basically do a decade with each episode. It's been running all this week. I don't know. I felt a little unclean. So yeah, for all my love of Great Britain... And so much of its culture and everything else. I've never really been interested in the monarchy, so it's never been anything like that that I would watch. I haven't been to see the changing the guards, any of that. Well, she's not your queen. Nope. The Rock and Roll Celebrity Quiz Show, Never Mind the Buzzcocks, is at 10 o'clock Wednesday on BBC Two. How is it doing without Simon Amstel? helming it do we know i've not seen ratings but they're bringing in different uh right. guest hosts and stuff and then there's gonna be a doctor who episode coming up in, yeah i Christmas. know they had janine garofalo as a guest that'll be kind of cool i oh. haven't watched any of the newest cool. series but they had more americans than usual i noticed just perusing the guest lists hmm maybe they're planning to export it who knows Thursday on BBC one is the entertaining documentary series bang goes the theory it's a bit like mythbusters and it takes a look at commonly held ideas and shows if they hold any water or not. And in this episode, a family tries to live off the grid using only human-powered bicycles to generate electricity. I bet they get very tired. Also, Thursday night on BBC One is the charming Gavin and Stacey, followed by Quiz Show QI. Thursday night on Channel 4, more of the Queen. And then Alan Carr, Chatty Man, with this week's guests Kate Hudson, Sharon Osbourne, and Lily Allen. I watched that for the first time a few weeks ago because they had Simon Pegg and Noel Fielding and quite enjoyed it. I, I liked it. I, it I suspect enough it, different from Graham Norton or... I suspect Alan Carr is a bit of an acquired taste. He, yeah. I first saw him on the Friday Night Project and he's very camp. It's a little more restrained on this. He's, he's a little... He's very welcoming. I think he takes his position as sort of, this is my... This is my home. Come in. You're my guests to his guests pretty seriously. He seemed oh. to really want to feel, make them feel at ease. Oh, good for him. I thought it was, it was well done. I enjoyed it. Friday at 9 p.m. on BBC One, Have I Got News For You with guest host Joe Brand and guest panelists Charles Kennedy MP and John Richardson. And it's followed by the return of Live at the Apollo, which features stand-up comedy acts. At 10.35 on BBC One's Friday with Jonathan Ross, Reese Witherspoon, Gordon Ramsay, Sophia Loren, and Russell Howard are the guests. On Saturday at 10 a.m. on BBC Two, there'll be a compilation showing of Doctor Who Dreamland, the online CGI story with the voices of David Tennant and Georgina Moffat. And if that's a bit early for you to watch in this country, because it would be... What, 4 a.m. here? <laughs> There'll be a lot of repeats during the day on the BBC HD channel and CBBC. Saturday's Merlin continues on BBC One at 5.55. Harry Hill's TV Burp on ITV One begins three weeks of best-of compilation episodes. And on BBC Two, if you'd like a little culture, Being Alan Bennett looks at the life and career of the heralded writer... And this is followed by The Thick of It on BBC Two Saturday night at 10.30. Sunday, BBC Two continues the new season of Top Gear, and it's followed by a repeat of this week's episode of Miranda, where she fakes going on a holiday. I saw this episode on Monday, and it was very amusing. It's a very funny show. Oh, good. She's, she's excellent. She first came to my attention just in a very few little bits on Smack the Pony when she was just a bit player on that show. And I've always thought she was great. And I think she's most excellent. I like unconventional beauty. She's six foot one. 
she was great also, dimples and just uh, her delivery really here in this show is quite funny. She she does asides right to the camera, mm-hmm. and I thought it was very clever. And basically, she does not want to go to Thailand, so she books a holiday at the B and B around the corner and. And everyone is not supposed to know that she's there, but of course, by the end of the episode, everybody knows she's been staying there. I thought was, I, I laughed a lot quite a few times. So that's from Miranda. A new two-part drama series begins on BBC One, Small Island, and it's about Jamaicans and Londoners after World War II, when Britain opened up immigration to the Commonwealth, and for the first time, they had black people living in England. And this is based on a popular novel, and should be pretty good. The South Bank Show at 11.20 Sunday night on ITV1 looks at the new Poet Laureate of Britain, Carol Ann Duffy. On Monday the 7th, Dave Attenborough's documentary Life continues on BBC One. Opposite on Channel 4 is Man on Earth, a four-part documentary hosted by Tony Robinson that examines how our ancestors have handled violent climate change over the past 200,000 years and asks what we can learn from them. I always like these Tony Robinson shows. Oh, yeah. He's come a long way since he played Baldrick on Blackadder. Miranda Hart's new comedy, Miranda. I have a new episode Monday night, which we just mentioned on BBC Two. The Graham Norton Show, Monday night on BBC One. Guests include rapper 50 Cent, Catherine Tate. She has a new Christmas special coming out. And Jimmy Carr. On Tuesday, the 8th of December, A History of Scotland continues on BBC Two. On BBC One, more sci-fi weirdness on Paradox. Have you seen this yet? No. So this guy is studying solar flares and suddenly he gets eight images that seemingly have come, they're time stamped from the future. And as we know from Bob and Doug McKenzie's Strange Brew, you can't fake time stamping. So I think these are from the future. And if they can figure out what the clues from these images are, they might be able to prevent some sort of catastrophe. And so they get a police unit involved on it. And so it literally is a race against the clock. Since they know this is going to happen at X time, we keep seeing a digital clock counting down. It's almost like the reverse of 24. Actually, a lot of ways it reminded me a lot of Spooks. Spooks always has a, you know, race against time. You know, the, the, the IRA is going to bomb at four o'clock. We have to run around London and stop them just in time. And the same kind of thing here, except, of course, they don't know what's going to happen. They just know when it's going to happen. And in the first episode, they don't manage to stop the disaster, but they get a little bit better in the second episode. Oh, okay. It's kind of like science fiction by people who don't really do science fiction. So it's a lot of you know heavy music and running around, and, and I, I think they've just sort of like distilled down the premise of how can we have a beat the clock, we're running around a lot series. That seems to be what the premise of Paradox is. We'll see if they ever actually explain where these images come from. Because, of course, each week a new set comes in and they have 16 hours to figure out what's going to happen. So, very interesting. Channel 4's documentary about controversial comedian Russell Brand called Skinned, where he is, haha, interviewed by Frank Skinner. And they discuss the ups and downs of his career. And that's followed by the reality parody Castoffs at 11.05. Well, I've read The Bookie Wook by Russell Brand, so I don't know what else I could possibly learn about him, but I always like Frank Skinner. I've always thought he's a really warm interviewer. Yes. And he's very bright, of course. He was a school teacher before he went into comedy, and I, I will watch any interview that he does, so well, Russell... looking forward to it. I was just going to ask you what Russell Brand had been doing, because he was everywhere, and then he was in, seemed like he... Came over to the U.S. and Jay Leno loved him, had him on The Tonight Show, and then he went away for a while. Well, he's hosted the MTV Music Awards, ah, well, and he was in a movie that I saw with Kristen Bell. I saw that, yeah, the Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. And he was in Bedtime Stories, too, I know, with Adams. Yeah. But it seemed like he had huge, huge, huge momentum growing in the United States, right on the heels of him being the it boy over in England and then it seemed like he just sort of after his radio show he quit his radio show it just quit kind of, he got fired well he he was he quit 
based on being put on suspension. He yes. decided not Ross to come back. Called. He and Jonathan Ross called Andrew Sachs, and Russell Brand claimed that he had had sex with Andrew Sachs's granddaughter, and there was a great hue and cry about this, and both of them got sacked by the BBC or suspended by the BBC for quite a while. But I think Russell Brand, the fact that he actually is known in this country mm-hmm. is pretty good for a British comedian. Yeah, and it happened pretty fast, too. Yeah. Really, I, he didn't come over here and plug away. Um, Eddie Izzard made his network TV debut uh, in 1997, which you could see on my YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and type in Eddie Izzard and Letterman first appearance, and we'll you'll put a find that. It. And that's 12 years ago, and it was only two years ago that he had a series and he had to kind of push away at it even much harder and longer, I think, than Russell did well, to get the same movie. amount of name recognition. And Eddie Izzard did movies, but it's not like he was right. doing a lot of television series in Britain. No. So that, I don't think that was his main goal, why he didn't need to be on TV. He's not primarily an actor. He's a comedian and a stand-up guy. It was funny, though, the way the amount of which he had to start over because he was playing the Hammersmith Odeon for weeks at a time in 97. And then he came over to New York and he was playing a loft where the audience sat on cushions on the floor. And he was kind of upset when he realized that almost all of them were Brits who had come to see him and because they knew who he was and he just wanted desperately to get the Americans in there. And he finally came over and played Greenwich Village for about five or six months just to get really more established here and get some American word of mouth going. And so... I, Russell Brand did nothing of the sort. He was he in Forgetting been, Sarah Marshall and then and got, went straight to The Tonight Show and hosting the awards, and boom, here he was. Charmed life, I guess. Yep. Uh, BBC America this week, Top Gear, and Friday Night with Jonathan Ross on Fridays. Uh, Saturday continues the third season of Robin Hood and the Graham Norton Show on BBC America. We're going to talk about Graham Norton here in just a minute. The fifth season of Shameless began Friday on the Sundance Channel. This Channel 4 comedy drama stars David Threlfall as the patriarch to an anarchic family living on a council estate in Manchester. Yeah, I've, I love the show. Oh, it's yeah. just so long, and there's so many of them. I've seen, I think, the first three or four. It's about three, three seasons, but David Threlfall's just a, an acting god in my eyes. I think he's amazing. One of the best character actors there is. So It's a great show, and I have to advise people him. watching it to stay for the stinger at the end after the credits. There's always a little payoff joke after the credits are over, which hopefully will not be cut off by Sundance Channel. On Adult Swim at 1 a.m. Sunday night is The Mighty Poosh. DVD releases in the U.S. at Slim Pickens this week because the market is crowded with a lot of the summer Hollywood blockbusters vying for the Christmas market. So the only thing coming out is Into the Storm, the BBC HBO drama about Winston Churchill during World War II with Brendan Gleeson coming out this week. Listener feedback. Tim from Britain writes, Hey guys, stumbled upon your podcast today and thought it was great. If you cast your minds back, I was quite often a visitor of your Monday night chat on about.com as London boy. Hope things are good with you. London boy. You remember him? I was in London in 2001 with my friend Jane Marie, and we were trying to get London boy to meet us for a cup of coffee and it just didn't quite work out. So maybe next time London boy that I get over there, we'll meet you in person at last. But yep. I remember you having to, Chat Away, which is also how I met Ryan, was on that chat. I was the British TV guide at about.com back in the wild and crazy dot-com era in the late 90s. And we had a chat every Monday night at 7 o'clock on the West Coast, which meant London Boy was getting up about 4 in the morning and doing this. I remember the situation was that he worked for a company that had a lot of computers and somebody had to babysit them. And Monday night was his turn to sit there all night and make sure nothing went down. And I remember he would have to sometimes say, I'll be right back and come back and announce that there'd been some people outside drinking and smashing bottles and he'd had to chase them away from wherever it was. And then every, as the chat was winding down, he'd be looking forward to his full English breakfast. He was going to meet up and have with a friend. So Yes, I remember you, London boy. Yes, well, it's very cool that you have tracked us down again, because that was kind of a great crowd we used to have back in those uh, chats way back when. So thanks for writing. Our feature this week is on Irish comic Graham Norton. (laughs) 
I first saw Graham on Father Ted, where he played the annoyingly upbeat Father Noel Furlong in 1996. I loved that role. That was a role you, you could make a lot of jokes about gay priests and that sort of thing, but I just really liked him as sort of a youth minister who had these teenagers here, and he, he was just so enthusiastic and full of love and God and enthusiasm that he sucked the life out of these poor teenagers and he'd be making them practice their Irish step dancing and they would look like they'd rather, you know, kill themselves than continue. And Ebony and Ivory Here. Well, actually, this is our caravan. Oh, Father Rook said we could use it. Yes, I see. I think he must say it to everyone. Hey, you lot, room for two more on the St. Luke's youth group? Uh, Motion fast, sit down there, and we'll have a bit of an old song. What can we sing? Will you sing one, Ted? <laughs> uh, no, I won't. Yeah, I you will. You have a lovely voice. Very like Celine Dion. <laughs> will you dance, then? Come on, Tony, sit on the old Riverdance album. Uh, actually... <laughs> Actually, Noel, I'm, I'm quite tired. What? Ah, maybe you're right, actually. We're all a bit exhausted from the old singing. Some of us overdid it down the old local last night. <laughs> Jerry Fields knows who I'm talking about, huh? What? Eh? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we arrived back at God. Must have been half ten. <laughs> and some of us crawled in. Janine Riley knows what I'm talking about there, don't you? Don't you? Yeah. <laughs> and she wasn't the only one. Tony Lynch. Tony Lynch! He knows her! Look at him there, all sweetness and light. Well, he wasn't like that last night when he crawled into bed at ten past the eleven. <laughs> Father Noel Furlong, you're a fine young fella. What age would you say I am? Go on, guess. Well, what age would you say? Don't you tell him. He knows. Look at him there, I'd like to tell him. No. Well, go on, guess. What would you say? Forty. I thought it was an interesting, very interesting take on the youth minister character and a twist on what they could have done in a more cliched manner with the character. Yeah. He'd been on, done some radio, including Bring Me the Head of Light Entertainment. And in 1998, Channel 4 gave him his own chat show called So Graham Norton. Yeah, that's because he actually filled in for Jack Doherty on a shock talk show when Jack was ill for a while mm. and got such great ratings that that is what led to his his show on Channel 4. As soon as it came on, I was like, wow, this is it's like a shot of adrenaline. Yeah. It's not Terry Wogan here. This is a very entertaining, fun show. And it was really great how he would interact with the audiences, especially with his stand-up game. Okay, everyone up again. Everyone up again. And it stays standing if you've ever got up to no good in evening dress. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> You're practically in it. Oh, I <laughs> <laughs> What's your name? Gillian. Gillian. Mm -hmm. It was going to be Gillian, wasn't it? It always was. <laughs> and, um, anyway, so you were in an evening dress, yes. and what did you get up to? Um, I fell in a ha-ha. You fell in a ha-ha? Yes. Gillian is possibly one of the poshest people who's ever been on our show. Ha-ha is posh for ditch, isn't it? That's right. You see, I knew that. <laughs> a lot of you didn't. I knew what a ha-ha is. I've read Jane Austen. They always had ha-ha's in Jane Austen. And you went and fell in it. And did you hurt yourself? I can't remember. I was too pissed. Gillian <laughs> said pissed, everyone! And just the use of the internet, finding things on the internet, communicating to audiences that were going to come in that week through email and, and having them do different internet jokes. That was innovative for the time, certainly. Oh, yeah, particularly in 1998, where he would find the most obscure websites or, or somehow connected to the guests there. Yep. Very fun show. 
And he stick, stuck with Channel 4 for a while. I know the BBC was trying to lure him over for many years, and they finally succeeded in 2005. Yeah, it was after the run of V. Graham Norton. I'm yes, yeah. which pretty much was just exactly like Sol Graham Norton with a new title. Well, I, there was one difference, though. So Graham Norton, they were very particular about the guests that they booked, and every guest on that show had to have some sort of camp factor. Mark Allman, Bo Derek, that sort of thing. And when they were suddenly doing it five nights a week, they had to open it up to guests that Graham said he was kind of initially sort of suspicious that they'd be funny and able to go with the flow of his show. And he sort of more mainstream guests, like Dustin Hoffman, who ended up loving the show and embracing it completely and he was just really surprised and almost ashamed of his earlier snobbery of what kind of guests would be right for his special kind of show so that was that was the difference which was the one where Graham had the whole obsession with Miles O'Keefe I think that was the first year because Bo Derek had been on and they had called him to see what he had been doing since Tarzan and then they just kept he kept pestering him for a while until they finally brought him over that was a very funny running joke uh, at the very beginning of So Graham Norton, I actually had a tape trading friend in London who was a writer on the show, so I got a few behind-the-scenes stories and lost touch with the fellow, but I um, was able to learn that Graham Norton is apparently about the nicest person you could ever want to meet. Oh, good. And treated um, this fellow who was my tape trading fellow, his wife was Graham's, well, they knew him way back in everyone's salad days, and as he got more popular... He hired her to be his warm-up comedian always on the show. And most warm-up comedians really just come up, do their gig, and take off. But he would always make sure she hung around, met the guest stars, went out with them afterwards. He'd pay her car fare home sort of thing. So I've known for a long time that at least in those days, Graham was a really great guy. And I see no reason to suspect that he's changed. I was sniffing around on Wikipedia today, and I saw something I did not know, which is in the summer of 2004, he did a show on Comedy Central called The Graham Norton Effect. Oh, yeah. He did. It was pretty much exactly the same as his Channel 4 show over there. It got a lot of complaints because they felt it was too racy. I've got loads of them on tape. I'll loan them to you. you I I must have just been kidding. kind of. I mean, by that point, I've been seeing him for... Six years, I guess I just sort of like, ah, oh, another Graham Norton show, and, and yeah. I guess I didn't take it seriously. How it funny. It didn't last very long, and I guess he was sad about that. He loved staying in New York and would have loved to have postponed his new contract with BBC One as long as possible before going back, but it just wasn't to be, so he went back there and started doing different things for them. Yeah, his big thing is, well, he's doing his chat show, but he also has been presenting a lot of reality shows like Strictly Come Dancing. Yep. And all the Doctor Who fans can, of course, remember his mistaken appearance in the first episode, Rose, when the controllers got the audio from BBC Two mistakenly bleeding over at BBC One. And you could hear Graham Norton talking. Yes. That was (laughs) Which is a pretty big mistake for the BBC to make. I mean, they're really trying to be technically proficient, and that was... I'm sure heads rolled because of that was a huge fault. I mean, the producers had to ring up Master Control and say, you've got a problem. So, yeah, he's done a Strictly Come Dancing, Strictly Dance Fever, How Do You Solve a Problem Like Maria, When Will I Become Famous, Any Dream Will Do, and, of course, at the same time doing The Graham Norton Show, which is the name of his current chat show on BBC and BBC America. Recently, a friend of the show went to England and had tickets to Graham Norton. And here is an interview with her. I'm speaking today with Miriam, who is an expert on British comedy and probably knows more than Chrissy and I put together. Anyway, recently you took a trip. Yes, I did. I was in London for two weeks. And you got to see Graham Norton. Tell us about seeing that. Well, that was very interesting. First of all, to get to any television show, you have to figure out which website to go to to get tickets because you just can't go to the BBC or the Channel website. A lot of them are farmed out now to different production companies, so you have to find which company. I had to register, and then they would send me a notice when the tickets were available. How far in advance can you do that? It was about a month. For some things, like some of the BBC shows, you could register further in advance and they will just let you know 
when tickets are coming up, but I tell you, they go very fast. I try to get Have I Got News For You tickets. I got up at 6 o'clock in the morning. I was online exactly at 6 a.m. when the tickets were supposed to be released in their time in England, and I didn't get them within the first five minutes. They were already all gone. You're trying to pick a specific day, right? Right. You only get one shot at it. You only get to pick one day out of that specific uh, series. So I just picked a day that I knew I was going to be there, but I had tried for Graham Norton, and that was sort of a backup plan. And I got that one within the next week. They sent me an email um, because it's sort of like a random drawing thing apparently you just like they just pick you depending on what you say and you're you had to feel like a thing like what's your favorite comedian who where you're from what you do oh you think you got preferential treatment because you're coming all the way from seattle i was kind of wondering that uh, i had mentioned i had been a british comedy fan for many many years and belonged to a british tv watching group here and i think that kind of piqued their interest a little because they um, asked me some further questions later on oh after they give you tickets or before um, after I got the tickets. Oh, uh, Basically, though, they were looking for tales of meeting somebody famous or a really bad dating experience. And I didn't quite have nothing lured enough for them to... But that was to, part of his game that he did with the audience, right? Right. There was two different games with the audience. One was that they had people in the audience and they had them reserved so they knew where to, him, where to go and with the camera and everything. And those were the dating ones. And then they had a thing at the very end of the show where they sat somebody up and it was like a throne. And they sat down. They were supposed to tell a story about meeting somebody famous. And if they got bored, then he flipped the switch and the the uh, head went back and the person kind of flipped back. They didn't, you know, they didn't fall, but they kind of, it was sort of like a, uh, you know, like a dentist chair flips you back. Who was voting on the boredom? Uh, Graham. Oh, by himself. Uh, the other guests were sitting there too, but uh, it was basically sort of the audience would egg him on and he would flip and, and they all got flipped. Of course. Uh, did they overbook this tickets? Uh, yes, as far as I understand, uh, well, I got what was my email said priority ticket, and I went and they gave you a wristband, and each wristband had a different color, depending on what kind of ticket you had. So, like, there was, like, priority, and then there was regular, and then there was standby. And so, first, you had to stand in a line, which they wasn't very uh, well organized. I didn't know which line I was standing in, because they did have, have I got news for you at the same time. You just snuck into that line. <laughs> Well, I would like to, but they did have your name. Ah. So your name had to match what was on the, the ticket. Well, I got my wristband, and then they told me I could either keep standing in line or uh, come back because it was going to be another half hour before they were actually going to start letting people in. So I went and got something to eat and then came back and stood in line for about another 20 minutes. And then they started having you uh, go through. You have to go through this alley, sort of the back door entrance. And then you and go this up. is where? This was at the South Bank TV Center. Right. They're very strict. They they sort of you know herd you into the studio and uh, they they show you where to seat because some seats are marked off for those special people. Special people that were uh, reserved. But uh, I got pretty good. I was up about halfway up in in the center, and so I could see everything. And it's uh, you know for Graham Norton, as you expect, it's sort of uh, gaudy. There was the. Uh, the little couch and then his, you know, computer and his desk off to the side. There wasn't, it was mostly, you know, like colors and things in the background. But there wasn't as many props as, as in the So Graham Norton series, though. They had their warm-up person come out and basically they just uh, told you what was going to happen and uh, was asking, like, where anybody from out of town? And I raised my hand and said I was from Seattle. And then they asked what was the most exciting thing. And off the top of my head, I just said shopping, <laughs> which was, like, one of my favorite things to do in London was to go book and CD shopping. Was it a producer or actually a comic? I think this was a comic. Do you remember gonna... his name? No, I don't. Okay. Then uh, after they, they start getting everything set up and then Graham does come out and talk to the audience for a few minutes told us who the guests were and who were the guests that week uh the guests were this model called uh, Katie Price who gets in the tabloids apparently a lot and on, on page three or just in, yes. in, on the covers she's uh one of these uh model turn author kind right. of people like Jordan and uh yeah that's her other name that's what she oh it is to. Jordan yeah it oh, is this Jordan. Is, oh Katie Price, Katie is Price Jordan, Jordan. Okay. comic Jill Brand which I do like and Jackie Collins ah. who still is still writing books 
and has she said that none of her books have ever gone out of print so like him or not she's very successful in what she does so Graham Norton goes out on Monday nights when do they record him this was on a Thursday okay so they recorded on a Thursday, Thursday and then it broadcasts on Monday right okay it was a little over an hour long, but I'm sure they, I never got to see the actual cut, so hopefully I will see it on BBC America. Well, you know, they do two cuts. They do a 30-minute version on BBC One, and then a few nights later, they do a 40-minute version on BBC right. Two. Yeah, I was watching other programs, or I was out at the theater, so I didn't get to see either one um, of it. Basically, he comes out and does a little... You know, I don't quite monologue, but just sort of talks to the audience. And then he had all the guests come out at one time, but he spent most of the time with Katie Price. Were there any technical things when they were doing the show, doing things over, stuff like that? There was one bit where Graham had to, like, run up to one of the audience members he was going to interview and then run back down to the stage, and they had to do that three different times. And it was totally across the studio, so... You know, Graham was getting rather winded, going, again? <laughs> and so, like, he would have to, like, run from one stage and up the stairs and then, you know, act like he was interviewing the person. Then they would cut and show him running back down the stage and back down to his desk. Considering he does that once an episode, you think they'd have a camera guy that was kind of used to be able to follow him around. Right. And then he did two promos, one for the, the BBC and then one for BBC America as well. That was done at the end oh. after the show as well. And those took like two takes. But other than that, you know, it, it pretty much wrapped up. There wasn't that many retakes. I was really quite surprised. I was hoping to go for the tour of the BBC, but you had to like book that ahead. And You mean Television Center? Right. They had like two different ones on the website, but you had to like book ahead and I just had too many other things to do. A, a, a friend and I, who shall remain nameless, uh, we snuck into the BBC one night because he had an old pass. And we were we were crawling all over the place. He showed me where Blue Peter Dog was buried in the back garden. We only got caught by security guys once. And it was when we were overlooking the studio for the news because that was kind of a closed right. area. But we just wandered all over the place for, for like an hour or so. Oh, well, don't try this at home, folks. So you say you caught a bit of television while you were there. What uh, did you like? Well, have I got news for you, obviously, as a Paul Merton fan that I am. I found way too much American TV and found myself, if I had some time to really sit down and watch something, I was watching either like Jeeves and Wooster reruns or uh, Hercule Poirot. On uh, Dave, often there would be a lot of comedy. They had like a QI marathon on something like Saturday or Sunday night. And I was able to catch some most of the Sarah Janes while I was there. Even though the room I had had more than just the, the normal television, I didn't find anything that was that thrilling. I was kind of disappointed. You should have listened to our podcast. We would have recommended all sorts of good things for you. Well, it also depends. I often left the, you know, about 10 in the a.m. and would come back at 11, 12. So I was literally gone all day. Well, so. in, the, yes, in the evening, there's lots of good <laughs> things to be doing rather than being in a hotel room watching television. You know, but some nights you just come home exhausted and turn on something and uh, a lot of X Factor. Uh, if I ever see Robbie Williams again, will be way too soon. And did you see any British TV actors on stage? Yes, I did. I was able to see John Barman, who was doing Lacage of Lacan, and he was absolutely wonderful. Um, it was really uh, fun to see him uh, sing and dance. You know, I'd only really seen him as Captain Jack so from Doctor Who and Torchwood, so it was really fun to see more of a different side of him, and he was just very, very good. And I got to see John Sim doing this sort of psychological police drama, which was interesting. It was good, and he was he was really good, but... It had the Robert Altman a thing where people talked over each other's lines, and this happened quite frequently. So sometimes it was rather hard to follow because you'd be, you'd be interested in one person's story, and then these other people, they two would be talking at the same time over. So it'd be four people talking, and you're trying to follow two different conversations at the same time. So they was, want you to see the show more than once. I think so. What was um, the name of that show? That was called Speaking in Tongues. Ah, I bet the title is a clue there. And I went to the comedy store twice. I went to see the improv players, which included Paul Merton. 
and Josie Lawrence, and that was excellent. It's always fun to watch Paul and Josie go after each other because they know each other so well. They know how to, if one of them makes a mistake, they will never live it down the rest of the evening. Mm. So it was jo Josie couldn't remember any more uh, soccer team names, and Paul just ribbed her, and everybody else ribbed her for the rest of the night, trying to, you know, they kept throwing in team names throughout the rest of the night. And they also all these shows sold out, so I'm glad I booked way in advance. How far in advance? Um, the comedy store I booked um, a little over a month in advance. Okay. Online, as soon as the uh, they put up the dates for October, I picked my dates on online. So I was uh, you can do that through Ticketmaster. It also saves because you do have to stand in line to get in, but if you already had your tickets or had had a will call ticket. Uh, pick up you would be able once they let the door they would let you in first so I was able to get uh, front row tickets the second time around I, I got to a lot of things I never got to before and that and she said for me also the shopping is a highlight for me shopping is the books and CDs so that's my I'm very happy with that well, another successful trip for a British TV fan in England thank you very much thank you Ryan in, in my own defense, I will say that I saw Stephen Fry this week on the Graham Norton show, and like me, he did not know that Kitty Price was Jordan. Ah. <laughs> so, Stephen Fry doesn't know everything, and neither do I. He is now presenting the Eurovision Song Contest. Stephen Fry is? No! Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> not Stephen Fry, Graham oh, Norton, the, the topic him. of this. Soupy twists, <laughs> dancing away there. I Yes, I had heard that. Eurovision is, is a great, kitschy song contest where it was originally set up in the 1950s as a gimmick to link up 27 different countries with a live television feed. That's why it was called Eurovision. And every country enters a song and then it is judged by all the other countries to come up with the best song of the year. And of course, you end up with the worst songs of the year. The Eurovision Song Contest is legendary for crappy music and forgettable mute songs, except for a few exceptions like ABBA. But it's fun to watch sometimes. There was also a three-year run where Ireland kept winning. Because if you win, you have to host the next year. And they even resulted in a joke in Father Ted where Ireland was deliberately trying to lose because they couldn't afford to keep hosting Eurovision. Right. Not that, that wasn't true, of course. But it made for a very funny episode of Father Ted. The classic song, My Lovely Horse. Yes. <laughs> that was my ringtone on my last phone now. Oh, man. <laughs> People were surprised by that. Yeah. <laughs> Got a Darren Brown ringtone now, so. What do you think of mostly as Grammar? Do you think of him as a presenter, a chat show host, or a stand-up comic? I think of him as a presenter who's very, very funny, very quick on his feet. I have heard from guests like Jason Isaac, who he went to drama school with, that he's actually a really good actor they were saying they found some old tapes of him and they were going to show it and they realized it wasn't amusing at all. It was just really good because it was a dramatic scene. Did you ever hear the story of Betty? I don't know what's happened to Betty. Oh, but... Betty. Yeah, she was a, a, in his audience all the time. Right. Do you know where she, why he knew Betty? No. That was also revealed when Jason Isaacs was there and they were talking of their old school days. She ran a little tea shop on the corner and all the poor drama students would go there after class and spend the whole afternoon nursing cups of tea and talking and chatting and she would let them sit there and as long as they wanted and so Graham after drama school was in lived in the United States for a while traveled around did a lot of performance art lots of things went back and reconnected with Betty and for her 80th birthday he was ever able to actually honor her on the show and give her the nicest present where she got to go to New York and then come back on the QE2 and she had a suite and she had a butler and got to take her friend with her. So that's another little anecdote I remember that makes me think that Graham's a pretty okay guy. But she was just a fixture in his audience and right. then became sort of a comic foil in a way. Yep, she would appear in a skit with one line which she would misread from the teleprompter. She was very charming. Somebody won a car once and they had poor Betty draped over the, the bonnet of the car <laughs> in a beautiful dress to advertise it. I haven't seen her lately, so... But then she was 80 several years ago, so maybe she's not getting out as much as she used to. I can't think of any acting jobs she, he's had where he's played anybody other than himself except in Father Ted. No, I, I, I don't think so. He was, <clears throat> they were writing an actual movie that he was going to play himself in based on 
the trials and tribulations of getting his American partner citizenship. Right. And then the two broke up before they've actually brought that project to completion because it was mm. announced, it was press releases and everything else, and, and then it didn't happen. So that might have had some dramatic work there, but he would have been playing himself. Yeah, I've seen him pop up in stuff like at AbFab or something like that, right. but it's always as himself. Well, maybe that's something he can do in a few years and just shock the heck out of everybody then play a really good dramatic role. Well, in the meanwhile, he is a busy television presenter. He's all over, and he doesn't really seem to have worn out his welcome. He genuinely likes to be there. He has fun with the audiences, and as you say, he apparently is a very nice guy. Rock on, Graham. Cool. And, of course, he can be seen on BBC America. So next week, I think we need to focus on some women. Balance it out a little bit. All right, yeah, we've... Only done Leslie and Romola so far. So who else? I think Victoria Wood. Oh, yeah. We'll do Victoria Wood. Victoria Wood is a institution in England. She could sell out the Royal Albert Hall, and I don't think anyone's ever heard of her in this country. So we're going to change all that, and next week we will introduce you to the fabulous comedian Victoria Wood. She is great. Good suggestion. Yes. Thank you. We want you to vote for the best British comedy of the decade. So send it to feedback at BritishTVPodcast.com. What do you think was the best British comedy of the last 10 years? So many choices. And then we will talk about them at the end of the year. That is coming up really soon. Meanwhile, you should go to our website, BritishTVPodcast.com where you can find links to things we've talked about here. We'll have a link to Chrissy's YouTube page. Recent news items, what's on TV for the next seven days, which we talked about here, and archive of old shows, and a way to send us feedback. So visit our website, please. So these dark December days continue. There's lots to watch from England. Very exciting. And we look forward to... Getting closer and closer to Christmas. We'd probably spend probably the 95% of that week's show just telling you what's on TV that week because there's so much stuff. So quite good. So thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Right. See you next week. (laughs) 